You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, Live Different Podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with an episode with two people, couple who have absolutely gone out and made their dreams come true with a lot of hard work, grit, determination, and just going for it. I absolutely can't say enough about how cool it is to see other young people just going out and doing it. But before that, I want to tell you, if you want to go out and just do it, I guess I ripped off Nike's slogan, but not a bad company to model after, go ahead and check out the Trips on Sale page with under 30 experiences. We just ran a sale where we had up to $650 off trips, which is pretty cool. Our mission is to make travel more accessible to young people. And there's no better way than to make them more financially accessible. So if you want, go and check out under30experiences.com, search trips on sale, go out, do something awesome this summer, this fall, maybe check out Iceland for the Northern Lights, who knows, go ahead and book your winter getaway. It's time to start thinking about that thing. So sit back, relax. Get ready for another awesome episode with two really inspiring travel blockers. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson. And today we are here with Samantha and Ryan Looney from Our Travel Passport. They are an LA-based travel couple, photographers, videographers, and I am excited to hear, of course, about their travels how they've done it, how they've worked with some pretty big brands, and uh, yeah, how you all listening can become better photographers, videographers, and just travel, have more fun. And that seems to be the purpose. And both of our our missions or all of our missions, because there's three people in this conversation, is that, uh, what do you think about that? What do we think about our missions? Yeah, what do you think? Does that align? Does that sound like uh, something you guys promote? I mean, I know it is looking at your Instagram. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, our mission is kind of to inspire others to travel and to and to help them do it as well. So to provide the educational tools um, that you know allow people to travel and get paid to do it. Yeah, I also think we feel pretty strongly that everyone should be able to like live the life of their dreams. And obviously that doesn't look the same for everyone. But like if travel is something that you're passionate about, you should be able to travel and not feel like you can't because you're restricted due to XYZ, like, you know, your nine to five job or society you're scared or whatever. And so I think that that's a big reason why we started our travel passport because we wanted to help our friends and our family and just people in general see that like, it's not scary going out into the world and it's actually, you know, you create a better environment and earth and world for everyone when you are exploring and meeting new people and having new experiences and seeing that, you know, we're all a lot more connected than it might seem. Yeah, no, that's great. And I realized I really started off with a deep question. It was really <laughs> just a it was really just a comment just to open things up and see, oh yeah, I mean I guess our missions are aligned. And then uh if you guys are watching on YouTube, well, first of all, we were off to a bumpy start because I botched the intro. And then when there's three people in the conversation, it's like, 
uh-oh, who am I asking? Who am I actually speaking to? And it wasn't a direct, very direct question. So uh, I'm sure we'll work the kinks out in the in the next hour or so. But uh, yeah, can you guys tell us how you got started in this field of work? So we got started um, when, I guess, from like when we first started dating, we talked about travel and how we wanted to travel. And it was always something we kind of dreamed about together. And then even when we got married in our wedding vows, you know, we promised we would, um, I think the words were, hold your hand as we travel the world together or something cheesy. And, or sweet. Or sweet. <laughs> so it was always something we wanted to do. And then we get married and it's, um, and money's tight because we're young. And I mean, we got married when we were 23. And so we basically said, we need to figure out how to do this. And so we decided to make it a priority. So that first started just with finances and budgeting for it and putting money aside first for travel and kind of making that a priority, not going to concerts, not going to movies. out to dinner, not going to movies, you know, and saving that all for travel. And at the same time, just to document it, we started our travelpassport.com, our blog, and then a couple months later started an Instagram um, to go with it. And yeah, our blog kind of started more as like a journal. Like I just wanted to, a place to like put our pictures and remember our experiences and things like that. And then it started and then it kind of turned into more like travel guides and information because that was what people started asking us. You know, like friends and family were like, oh, I saw that you went here and we're planning a trip there next month. Like what should we do or where should we eat or whatever. And so it kind of turned into like, oh, well, let's make this a resource for other people. Also, so that I don't have to say the same thing 15 times. I can just put it out there on the internet. Yeah. yeah and that was um, like February of 2016. We had been taking like road trips and stuff together before, but that was our first international trip together outside of our honeymoon. You didn't say where we went. Yeah, we went, to, <laughs> we went to India and Japan. Wow. In kind of the same trip. And that, and then it just kind of went from there. We just really haven't stopped traveling since. Um, well, so that was kind of one of our, I mean, that was like our first big trip together, but that was where we were like, okay, well, we've saved all of our money. You know, we've kind of like, haven't been on date night in like six months so that we could go on one big long date together. And we used credit card points and, you know, to get over there. And then we got there and we tried to be as cheap as possible because we, money was tight. Um, and so, you know, we were staying in, decent hotels, but not that great of hotels. And then, you know, eating really cheap and all those things. And I think we both kind of felt like this wasn't a sustainable way of like traveling, like saving up all your money for six months and then like going for one week to experience something and like not being super relaxed while you're doing it, I guess. Sure. And obviously there are a lot of people out there that love the backpacker lifestyle, but (laughs) neither of us are like, very, I'll be honest, I'm more of a hotel bedroom person. So um, we were kind of like, we want to be able to travel better. And we want to be able to show people how to travel better. And obviously, not everybody has to travel like this, you know, because a lot of people make more money and they save up all their vacation days or whatever, and then they go on vacation. So that was kind of when we were like, okay, we don't want to do this for we don't want to only be able to travel like once a year, once every six months. So if we're going to turn this into something sustainable that we can be doing, like we need to 
turn it into our job, basically. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Well, first of all, I noticed that uh, the Ritz-Carlton, Shangri-La, and uh, big fan JW Marriott were all featured on your website. So I totally understand that that type of travel might be a little bit different than your uh, your budget tra- trip, your first trip through India and, and Japan. But you do bring up an amazing point, especially that you are, you know, you, you were a young couple, you got married at 23. And so if this might not be your area of expertise, but budgets is something that everyone needs to figure out. I mean, it's just, it's just a fact of life. And the last thing I want to hear is a young couple listening to this decides that they're going to go out and get into a bunch of needless credit card debt because, well, they they didn't budget appropriately. So do you guys have any recommendations uh, other than maybe going on a... You guys could have gone on a free date night, by the way, uh, for those six months. Yeah, that's true. And we probably Um, did. I hope so. I'd say this is definitely something that like we're really passionate about. Um, Yeah, I kind of got excited as you were asking that because... Great. I am definitely like a finance guy by nature, I would say. Um, He like loves to come home from everything that we ever do or when we're home and like pull up his spreadsheet and like put out all of, you know, all of his money (laughs) topics. But I definitely think it's something that we're super passionate about not going into debt and especially not going into debt for things that like, that are just for pleasure or just for fun. So yeah, I'll talk about it. Uh, We actually have written a couple blog posts about this and that's what we started writing about because that was, people were asking how we traveled. And so there are a couple of our older blog posts that probably aren't super well written, but um, we basically what we did, we used Mint, the financial app to kind of keep track of our budget. And um, I, I read it, we read a couple books. I think uh, Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon was one of them. And then, which is very a short read that just goes over simple principles of, you know, how to make your money work for you and how to actually obtain wealth instead of just working for the end of the month and, you know, working and just working paycheck to paycheck. So I learned, you know, I learned a couple of principles and those were kind of my sources, but we set a budget that was less than what we needed to, less than what we made every month. Okay. And so by doing that and sticking, sticking to that at the beginning of each month, whenever we got paid, we decided on a percentage that worked for us to pay ourselves and um, I didn't just want to spend everything on travel. So we had two ways we paid ourselves. We took about, I don't know, it, the percentage varied and you just have to do what works for you. But we would take a percentage, example, 5% <laughs> of our income and put it in a, a savings account that was just for travel. And then we'd take another 5% and put it in a savings account that was like for our future. And, and like actual savings. Yeah, now, you know, actual like, savings, retirement. Um, yeah, like, yeah, emergency the funds. The things that people um, make savings accounts for. Sure. But <laughs> we would, before we did anything, we would pay ourselves that amount. So no matter what, we would have money going towards travel and money going towards our future. And after that, we the remaining money is what we would live off of. And most people do it the opposite way. They say they, they try and live within their budget. And if there's anything extra, then they'll put it in savings. But when you set that, when you pay yourself first and, yeah, and put that money yourself. away, you're forced to you know live a little below your means. And that principle really made us flexible. You know, when we made less money in a month, 
we just really wouldn't eat out all month. And that, you know, that's hard. And like socially that kind of gets awkward if people are wanting to like go out to dinner, but you know, we just made it work. We would, you know, just make more dinners or just, you know, really spread our money that way. And so from that, in addition to using some credit card points, we, we didn't go crazy. There's a lot of info out there about credit card hacking and stuff, but um, in which we would read. It's definitely not credit card but, hackers. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got one, um, the Capital One Venture at the time, I think I had like a 400 or $500 bonus for spending like $2,000 in the first three months, which is what we were going to spend anyway. So we, um, you know, used that 400 or $500 towards plane tickets. And then we didn't go into debt on those credit cards. That's just what we used at, instead of cash. So, but if, if we don't have, I guess the important principle for that yeah. is if you don't have the money, in your bank account or in your wallet and is actual cash, then you, you should never put it on a credit card. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people are scared of credit cards. Um, when in reality, you should, if you, if you convince yourself that that is a debit card and that you can't spend more than what's in your bank account, then you'll never go into debt. And so, you know, we've got a lot of credit card points and a lot of cash back on credit cards that also has kind of reduced our expenses and helped us travel more over the last five years. And we've never missed a payment, never gone a debt, not never gone a debt. So it's not something you should be scared of. But that is, you know, we get about two to three, four percent back on almost all our spending, and that also makes our travels cheaper. Yeah, I also think like it's really easy to not to like live within your means, but not putting aside money first. You know, because say you make two thousand dollars a month or whatever, and then if you put aside a hundred dollars from like the get go, then you only have $1,900 left. But like, I think if at the end of the month, you have that extra $100 and you see it in your bank account, you spend it. Like, I think it's not necessarily intentional, but like, I know I do this. Like when we have extra money, I spend extra money. And it's easy to like continue to make your like living the amount that you make, if that makes sense. Like if you make more money, you spend more money. Yes. And then I think also something that is really interesting to remember, I think a lot of times people think like travel so expensive, travel so expensive. And I think it's important to remember that you're gone for a week. So like you would also be paying, you would also be buying groceries like while you're gone. So if you spend $50 a month in groceries or $50 a week in groceries while you're gone for a week, like it's okay to spend $50 on food because you're gone. Like you would be spending that if you were at home anyway, if that makes yeah. sense. Like it's good to remember that like, if you can cover abnormal expenses associated with travel, then like, obviously that's part of your travel expense, but like certain parts of your travels are just living that like, it would cost you that anyway, if you were at home. I couldn't agree more about that last bit. And for anybody who is jotting all these notes down like I am. Uh, we're going to link all of this up on under30experiences.com slash blog so that people can go and get links like The Richest Man in Babylon. And uh, if you guys want to send me those blog posts, I'd be happy to put those in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, these, this is such an important topic that I'd like to actually stick with for, for a little while because currently I'm writing my, my first book. It's called The Millennial Travel Guidebook. And the purpose is to help people create lives where travel is a priority for them and can be a priority for them. So everybody says they want to travel and and do something like you guys have done or just be able to take a couple nice vacations 
a year and uh, explore more of the world, but it's difficult unless you are doing things like paying yourself first. And uh, one other resource I just want to point out to the listeners, I had a uh, guy by the name of Mike McCallowitz on the podcast, and he talked a lot about how you should have multiple bank accounts for multiple things. Because just as you said, Samantha, if you see that extra $100 in your checking account and you get that invite to go out for the evening or or it is date night and you haven't connected with your significant other in a little while, well, yeah, that is something that's, that can go quickly and then you don't have your travel fund. So thank you guys for, for pointing that out. Uh, I wanted to actually ask, what you were doing as uh, maybe full-time jobs in LA before you were able to transition to videography and photography, which you're both very passionate and, and make a living from now. Yeah. I was actually a student at the time that we started our travel passport. So I was studying economics. Um, I had graduated um, with a degree in English and I was working remotely and he had just finished up like an internship. That was basically, he did an internship in Washington, D.C. And that was kind of when we started like our blog because we were spending a lot of time on the East Coast. We drove up to New York and Boston and we spent a lot of time in D.C. And so like, that was kind of like what got us in our like driving travels, I guess. Um, And then we went back to school so Ryan could finish in Utah. And that's actually where we met. We both met at school in Utah. And... I was working remotely in like a marketing position and he was in school and then working doing other like internships. I was doing real estate and real estate internships. And in DC, I was doing, a, I worked for a congressman for a summer. Um, so I wasn't sure what I wanted to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I was working for like a marketing company and I was, well, I was working in marketing for a company and then I was doing photography on the side, shooting like um, couples and families, I guess. Yeah. Mostly. And then I was doing the blog basically like at night once I was done with work and learning, like watching YouTube videos and trying to figure out, you know, how to grow an Instagram and how to take better photos and how to edit better photos. And because like I was definitely a photographer, but I also needed to learn. And I still feel like even now I'm a million times better than I was then, but I feel like it's important to always be learning. Um, So yeah, we basically just like, it was a lot of odd jobs. Put in and a like, lot of grind. When Sam graduated, we decided like, you know, she had the opportunity for some full-time nine to five jobs. But um, with my school schedule, we could be flexible as far as, you know, I did get a winter break. And so we were able to travel then. And we would do like during President's Day, we the, they would switch the school schedules. And I would, I would make my classes only on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, for example. And so like they'd switch the schedule on President's Day, they'd give you Monday off, but then they'd make Tuesday, Monday schedule. Oh. And so like basically we'd go, I'd take like 10 or 11 or 12 days off and we'd I'd only miss like one day of class. And like, it was my priority and I probably shouldn't have missed class, but um, I don't regret it. So we wanted to keep our schedules flexible. Yeah. But when we started our travel passport, Sam had a Canon Rebel T3i, a ba- very basic canon and she had shot one wedding um, for a friend and like that was like our experience i made some videos for friends i mean with friends in high school kind of forgotten that it was a passion and then once we decided we were going to do this um i stopped interviewing for like economic and finance jobs and this was well i think even before that like 
you like when we went on our trip to India, we kind of both realized that like part of our passion for photography and videography is aligned with travel. So like I had done a study abroad in Jerusalem in the Middle East when I was in school. And that was actually when I got my camera. And that was kind of when I fell in love with photography. And I think when we went to India together, that was when we realized that we both felt like this is what we're passionate about. It's not just travel, but it's capturing those experiences. It's like capturing a way to remember those experiences and also share those experiences with other people to see, you know, what it's actually like, not just like the picture that they see on Google or whatever. Um, So I think that that was kind of where our like creativity spark was sparked again. And that was when we kind of both decided like, yeah, like we definitely want to like put more time into this and learn and hone these crafts. And then we were practicing them. We were doing more road trips around Utah because there's so many great like national parks and stuff. And then fast forward a few months, a year, maybe. Yeah. So we <laughs> that's started when Ryan in, was like... Yeah, it took yeah. us a year from when we started to when we were like, okay, we're going to do this. And we made that decision. And then... But at that point, we hadn't made any money. Maybe we made a couple dollars on like affiliate. And so that's when you were doing all odd jobs or in school, taking 11 days off and skipping class, but continuing to hone your skills at that point. Okay. And then sounds like we're approaching a tipping point. Yeah. um, Well, Ryan was about to graduate. Yeah, I was about to graduate. And so this is like coming up on April, 2017. And I had an interview with Intuit, um, who is actually, funny enough, the parent company of Mint. Yeah. And as like a financial analyst, and I was doing a spreadsheet prepping for an interview, and I was like, I hate this. I was having like an anxiety attack. Like I was like, I don't want to do this for the interview. Like how am I ever going to work there? And so I called them up, and I was like, I'm not. I'm don't want to waste your time. I'm not going to do this interview. And then from that moment on, when we made the decision, we were able to start making money. I got a I got a real estate photography job. I started a social media, a digital marketing agency with some friends. Um, you know, we took pictures for at restaurants, but really focused on the content creation aspect of things. And then I think we made we had our first sponsored post in July of 2017 where we made fifty dollars posting for a towel company. Um, Which is like really nice, but obviously not gonna pay the rent. So No, but you gotta start somewhere. So that's yes, where we started and it felt somewhere. really good at that yeah. time. It did. It did feel really good at that time. And I would say too, like it was definitely one of those things where we had friends in the industry, um, siblings in the industry, and like not necessarily the travel blogging industry, but like the Instagram influencer industry. Um and Everyone we talked to was basically like, until you commit to go all in, like you'll always put it on the back burner. You'll always be stressed and focusing on like making more money elsewhere. And then you'll be restricted because you're working for someone else, not for yourself. So like you kind of just have to make the decision. And I think this might have been scarier for me than it was for Ryan. But um, when he graduated, we we kind of made the decision that yeah, we were just gonna go for it and and I think we both just said, like, we can do anything for a year. We'll give it a year. If we totally fail, we'll go get nine to five jobs. Like, we're competent human beings that can get jobs. You know, I can go work at McDonald's. Like, literally, like, there are jobs out there and we could get jobs if need be. But let's give it a go for a year and let's try our best. And if we can't make it, then we will find a different route. And we made it a year. <laughs> and so now we're still going. But 
I definitely think it was one of those things that it was really important for us to hear that from friends and family members and just being like, you got to commit because if you don't, you know, go all in. And I think that's true on like any aspect of life, right? Like if you don't completely commit and go all in, then you'll always be giving it half of your time and your energy. And therefore you won't be as successful as if you like totally commit and give it your all. Well, first of all, congratulations on going all in and making it a, a yeah. success. Yes, you're very welcome. I know how difficult that that is as an entrepreneur. But two, what did your parents say? <laughs> uh, this, that's a good question. Um, We're kind of lucky in having both of us have very entrepreneurial entrepreneurial <laughs> I butchered that but you know what I'm saying um dads I mean I think my dad definitely took a big gasp you know kind of like okay um but he definitely was like you guys will make it work you'll figure it out luckily her sister has started a digital a digital you know online business kind of with its platform on Instagram as a um, dietitian and health coach yeah. I don't know if you want me to drop her name. Yeah. So, <laughs> but she, I think she had a hard time with her family first kind of convincing them that that was a real job, that she could do it online. And so I think she kind of took the brunt of that for that for us. Yeah, but I definitely on my think she side, helped like, tape the way for that in my family. Yeah. I mean, I still think like my family to this day kind of like rolls their eyes about it. But, but they're definitely supportive. And they're like, it's cool that you're doing, you know, something that you're passionate about. Yeah. But I would on say... My side, my mom's always been our biggest fan, but my dad who kept always making like sly, you know, under the belt, passive aggressive comments. Like, I think one time I like was leaving the gym and it was 10 a.m. And he's like, oh, like getting back from the gym at the crack of 10, huh? Like, and then after a while, he said, when you, or like, when are you going to get a job? I said, I have a job. And he's like, Okay, well, when are you gonna get like employed? That boss. Or yeah, and and I said, Dad, you you literally would have never been employed your whole life because <laughs> he's started his own businesses and he does real estate now, and and he's like, you know what, touche. He's like you're right. Like I've never had a boss, and and from that moment on, he's never said anything. And he uh, he says he's only on the only people he likes on Instagram are our <laughs> pictures. The only one he'll click like on because he's not into social media very much. He so, likes on a couple memes too. He yeah, like he, like, he likes political too, memes too. But he's very supportive now. So after you know that while and we you know we had a long talk and you know told him you know that he supported us and since then he's been, he's been a great supporter. So we're lucky. But, yeah, I mean I definitely think we're lucky in having family members who are supportive of us um, and supportive of our happiness. Cause I know that's obviously not the case for everyone, but I, I don't think necessarily that our family members were super supportive at the beginning, but I think that as they started to see that we were making it happen and we weren't like, you know, living on their couch or bumming off of anybody, whatever, anyone, um, that we were really adamant about doing this for ourselves and making it for ourselves. I think that was when we kind of got the respect of all of them and they were like, cool, good for you. You, you know, you do you. So, and I think too, like we're lucky in having family that has more of that entrepreneur spirit of, you know, you, you work for it and you make things happen and you can be successful if you put your mind to it. So. That's great. And this is a kind of an interesting question. And I don't know if you'll be able to draw any conclusions. I was a sociology minor in school and not that I ever quote my educational 
background, but my question is, did you find that it was easier or maybe more difficult because you were married, you kind of had that one box that society says, okay, all right, that they're married. Now they can go figure it out on their own. Or maybe Samantha, if your parents are more, more old fashioned, you know, if you're a single female traveler or blogger, you might get a lot more shit, uh, excuse, excuse the expression, but you might get a lot more shit from your family. But now, oh, was it Samantha's married now? You guys will figure it out. Uh, they'll support each other. Did they feel more confident because you were married? Or maybe on the other side, they might have said, well, you know, who they, they just got met. Somebody might say, Ryan, you just got married. You need to go out and support your wife and get a job. I can imagine people saying this, at least in the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, we do have to remember it is 2019 now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thankfully for all of us, it's 2019 now. Seriously. No, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, I don't know because our only experience is doing it, having been married. I would definitely say we probably both come from more old fashioned families, but I can see my family reacting both ways. I can definitely see if, if I were to be like, I'm going to become a female travel blogger and solo travel the world. My mom being like, well, how are you going to meet a man? <laughs> yeah. I love her, but I can definitely see yeah. that being. I definitely a, think a it response. varies with each individual parent. Like if like yeah. your mom probably also at the same time that we were married felt okay, because she probably fully believed that she was, since she was married, I would take care of her. Um, not even just a safety thing, but like financially, <laughs> even though like, even though that's I think not that, that's necessarily her view, true. Right? And then I think my family was probably felt like I was rushing into a lot of things. But, well, I definitely think your mom would have felt the same way about like a woman traveling as yeah. like me. But I think, I mean, I think that's gender too, right? Like no one would ever be like, oh, you're a man going to, I mean, maybe you're a man going to travel the world by yourself. You're never going to find a wife. Like that's not like a thing that. Right. Say, right, which is sexist. Um, but, but it is what it is. But I also think that, yeah, I mean, I know for for Ryan's family, especially, it was very much so like you're getting married, you're really young, and you're making all these like big life decisions and you're still really young and like aren't you nervous that like this might not be the best option yeah. for you? Probably something that helped is we were both we both lived abroad for two years. Um, we were both missionaries for our church. And uh, I was in Uruguay for two years and Sam spent two years in Portugal. Cool. This was on our own. Uh, you know, we didn't see our families for the whole time. So I think after that, we were like, they just kind of accepted that like, they know how to handle foreign countries. They know, you know, they speak other languages. They can they survived that? They'll be fine. As far as like the safety thing goes, I you know I think maybe there there's probably some. I think more of the hesitation would probably be from like from a financial standpoint. Like if they if you're going to end up back at mom and dad's house or something. I mean, I think parents in general, it's pretty normal that they're concerned about the safety of their children, right? Like whether they're going to New York or going to Paris yeah. or going to Africa. Yeah. Like I think that's a normal thing that parents. Well, I would hope it's a normal thing that parents are concerned about the safety of their children. So like, obviously I know a lot of times Ryan's family and my family were like, be careful. Are you sure you want to go there? And we would just kind of laugh them off and be like, yeah, we'll be fine. And we went and it was fine. But I also think that like, 
Yeah. Every family's so different and every situation so different too. Like we are very lucky in that worst case scenario. If we did fail, we could have gone home to our parents' couch. Um, and a lot of people don't have that. So I think that plays a role in it too, is like in the back of our mind, knowing that like we wouldn't have to be out on the street necessarily if our, if, everything failed, if our business like, failed, we, we had um, a little buffer that would give us time to get a, an, another job. Yeah. And I mean, definitely neither of our parents were like passing out bills. Um, there is a rumor going around that we're trust fund kids and we're not, I wish we were, but we're not. If only. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but like in that same realm of speaking, I do think that just having that knowledge in the back of your head that there is a place that you could go if everything failed is definitely something that like we're blessed in having with our families that not everyone has. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. And uh, it's fun to unpack these type of nuances about, oh, it's 2019 and look how things have changed. Because especially when you're talking to older generations in your family, then the conversation, you know, depending on how old your parents are or if your grandparents are still around or if they're even capable of mate, like now my grandma's 90. So whatever she says, I have to take with a grain of salt because, you know, she's 90. My grandfather, God, now we're going down the wrong track. But you mentioned, you mentioned, oh, how are you ever going to meet him? A woman as a young single man traveling the world. Well, my grandfather said, oh, yeah, in the war, oh, I was in the Philippines. I'm sure I have some kids over there. He said that at Christmas. I was like, grandpa, please. <laughs> so anyway. You're like, probably shouldn't say things like that out loud. <laughs> yeah, because I will repeat them on a podcast somewhere. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so anyway, God, where to go after that? <laughs> I think that... It's okay. So it's interesting that you guys, of course, took the leap and then you got that first $50 check that I hope is framed somewhere on your <laughs> wall. Uh, and then how did things start to snowball from there? Can you tell uh, anybody who's interested what your strategies were to reaching out uh, to potential clients? Yeah, I think this is something that we're starting to be more open with. So it's kind of a, a good time that you're answering this question. We just, um, we teach our travel blogging courses and that's something that we're, you know, telling people, we were just talking about this yesterday is why I bring this up. Um, we're, you know, letting people know like exactly how we made make our, yeah, make our money. <laughs> yeah, please. It started with that as like a sponsored post, $50 for a, a towel company. And there's no check. I think it was a Venmo payment that I got. We're very millennial. Um, <laughs> screenshot it. <laughs> you know, screenshot it, print it out, put it on a big check. I think that um, for us, it was a lot. We recognized at the beginning that it was going to be a lot of building our portfolio, um, which is why I think we were really lucky in that Ryan was still in school and I was working a remote job that we could kind of build that portfolio before we went full-time in on it. And I would definitely suggest that to anyone who's like wanting to start out, like build a portfolio. Don't just like quit your nine to five with nothing to show for it kind of thing. Definitely like you know, take pictures or take videos or become an excellent writer or, you know, find a craft and find something that you are passionate about and then use that as part of your pitch to someone. Right. So like for us, I, we had worked with a few hotels, um, just on an exchange basis, um, not where like they hadn't paid us, but they let us stay for free in exchange for photos or video. And I think that 
that was kind of how we got started was being like, Hey, we did this for this hotel. Would you like us to do this for this hotel? And then as you start taking more photos and creating more videos and whatever, then people were reaching out to us. And then same with like companies, you know, shooting products that we just liked not because they sent them to us for free, basically like we went and bought them and then we shot them and then we posted about them. Then, you know, kind of gets you in the line of sight of their brand and their company. And then, you know, as you continue to do things that like that, other brands see that and want to work with you. And then that brand sees you and wants to work with you. Um, and then it kind of just spirals from there, you know, like, I'm not saying it like spirals out of control by yeah. any means. It's still a lot of work on our part for reaching out to brands that we love and we're passionate about and match, you know, our brand. But I do think it is a great way to start is to just be creating content on your own, not expecting anyone to pay you and then putting it out there into the world, basically um, showing people what you're capable of and kind of going from there. Yeah. That's something we kind of preach in our classes is that Instagram and, you know, social media is a, is a portfolio. Um, like it is there to allow you to showcase whatever it is you do. If that's video, if that's photo, if that's, yoga, um, if you're an artist, if you're a chef, any skill you have, the internet allows you to portray, you know, put that out there and create a portfolio, which then allows brands to see, you know, why you're valuable to them and what you can do and what you can offer. So like the way we monetized, it, it started getting a free hotel stay, which we got about Three months Sorry. into our into our first one, it was a, a little boutique hotel in Paris, um, and hotel. yeah, great hotel, Hotel Balmoral in Paris. Um, the owner is super nice um, and was gracious enough to give us a chance. I think we had five thousand followers at the time, maybe. And um, then we had a couple free products, and then it took us a year and two or three months before we actually got any money from our Instagram. And I would say part of that's on us too, though. Like I think a lot of I think a lot of people can do things a lot faster than we did it. Um, I think we were afraid at first to like ask for money. We thought that people just offered, and turns out nobody actually just offers to pay you money for anything because if they can get it for free, why pay? Sure. So I think that that was something that we kind of learned along the way that like if we want to be get paid for something, then we need to ask for it. And so I think that's also part of why it took us yeah. a year before we got paid. Um, I just wanted to like put that out there so people don't get discouraged that they have to like do stuff for a year because I definitely don't think that's true. Right. Um, anyway. So then I'm trying to think after that, we just basically anytime someone agreed to pay us, we would say, okay, well, we're probably worth more than that. Like that was actually a lot of work. And like we've put in years to learn these skills, uh, not to mention the work in building a platform. So we increase our prices a little bit and you know we decided like that we are valuable and what we do is valuable and, and and people you know we didn't just decide that and people ignored us like people agreed and that they agreed to pay us what we asked so like we would keep increasing our prices and it almost seems that the more you value yourself the more someone will value you so if we were going out there and saying like now and asking people to pay us fifty dollars I don't think anyone would because they say if you have this platform, you're only charging $50, you probably don't know what you're doing. And you probably don't aren't actually that good. But then if you're charging 500, then they say, Okay, like, 
well, you're probably worth it. Like if you're charging $500 or a thousand or $5,000, like it's funny how people see that as, as value. Um, they see that as like, well, you must be good if that's what you're getting. And so we kind of just played with that and tested the waters and, and we started getting more jobs, um, as we honed in on a value that, that matched with what people saw. Um, so I would say, don't be afraid to show people what you're worth. Also, I feel like it, it feels like there's not a lot of information out there about industry standard of what, who gets paid what, but I definitely think that like, if you do the research and obviously it changes for everyone based on how you value your time and energy. But I do think that there are, there are pretty basic places that you can go to. It's called social blue book, book yeah. right? Oh. There's a website called social blue book where you can go and kind of see based on like your following and your engagement and the work that you create, you know, what they would say you should charge for a post or something like that. And that's on the influencer side. There's yeah. also Getty images calculator. Yeah. Um, when you're selling your actual photos. rights to your photos, yeah. depending on the circulation and the company, they'll give you an estimate of how much it's worth. And we use those as kind of evidence of, of what, you know, companies should be paying. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Getty images is obviously very popular. Like that's like what, you know, people magazine and, and things use to like stock. buy photos that, you know, are obviously what they want to be sharing. So if, you know, a hotel comes to you and asks you for two photos for their marketing material and you put that into Getty Images and it's, you should be charging $200 a photo or $400 a photo, depending on, you know, the size of the chain or whatever. Um, and I think that's a great way to recognize that like, oh, my photo is worth more than just $20, where a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's okay, you know, they gave me a free stay or something. And it's like, well, free stay at, for a hundred dollars a night at a hotel, like a hotel that it costs a hundred dollars a night, but really the value you're giving them is a thousand dollars. Maybe you should like backtrack that and think about how much what you're giving them is worth yeah. kind of thing. Sorry, Matt, we kind of, we kind of, no, know this how. is really important because people do not know how to price themselves. So please, any, any yeah. resources that we can get for people, these, these are two great ones. So keep going. The, uh, I think the original question, really bad. we was, like are always just like talking <laughs> and then we talk to them. We just keep going. So sorry. The original question was, um, how we kind of started and how we got to where yeah. we are now. So like we started charging for sponsored posts, but they, they weren't consistent enough. Honestly, we're bad at sending out emails too. So like we just sent out a couple and wait and they're like, not we weren't aren't very good at following up, which is super key to getting it's people like the to most respond to you. Part of like yeah. actually I think every with job the we've ever gotten is because we followed up. Yeah, because most people just don't see the first time. They're also it. busy. Like people are busy and they forget the same way that like we get emails and we read it and then it's been two weeks and we didn't realize that it's been two weeks before we got back to it. You know, but the person who follows up, like we keep thinking about it and we're like, oh, we have to get back to that person. Yeah. So I think it's definitely the same way on the other end when you're reaching out to people. Um, so we still haven't answered your question. That's okay. Keep going. We decided we wanted to like getting paid hundred dollars at a time is is not really a sustainable way to if you're going to be doing this full time. Sure. I think for like the first two or three months, Sam had a remote job that was floating us, but we said we needed bigger ticket items, so we decided to take people on group trips. So we created um, our travel passport adventures um, where we redid trips that people had already seen us do. So basically we went to, um, this was all of 2018. We went to Greece, Paris, and Portugal. 
And in 2017, we'd gone to Greece, Paris, and Portugal. It was things that people had seen us do and they could relate to and they could say, I want to go there and do that. Also, so they, the were, service, they were places that we had been and we knew. Um, and so like, it wasn't like we were just taking people to a random place where we'd never been before. And the idea was kind of like, a lot of people are afraid to travel or they don't like to deal with all the like ins and outs of travel or, or they're, they're worried jobs. about, yeah. Or they're worried about going to a country that they've never been to before or don't know how to speak the language or they have busy jobs. And so they don't have time to plan. And so that was kind of our idea behind starting the OTP adventures. Yeah. Um, so essentially they were paying for us to plan the whole thing and to guarantee that we would take them to Best the best spots, the, yeah, the best spots, the best beaches that weren't just the tourist ones you're going to find on TripAdvisor. And, you know, these were people that the people that came with us are people that trusted us because they've been following along for yeah. a year or two. And so we did those. Um, and that was great. We don't have any more planned for 2019. Um, but it's always an, an option. Um, so then after a while and, you know, we started getting more sponsored posts and, and more video, video jobs. Job. Yeah. Then we started getting video jobs and we realized that's something that we love and kind of sets us apart is the videography. There's, a, I think there's a larger barrier to entry when it comes to learning video. There's just, you know, you're editing sure. 24 frames a second instead of one frame. So that's something that people really liked. And I think JW Marriott... That's actually how we partnered with them the first time. Yeah, it was the first time that we, we did a video for them, uh, like a little couples weekend. And that kind of got us some attention with, with other big brands and has led to some of our videos for Yacht Getaways and Unlimited Vacation Club. And um, that's a, a main focus of ours now. And then somewhere in there, we started uh, teaching uh, like videography 101 courses. And, um, but we're mostly focusing 2019 going forward with all that, um, doing more of our travel blogging and photography courses. Yeah. Um, mainly, yeah. And so that's kind of our 2019 focus and that gets us to today. <laughs> yeah. I also think one of the things that we recognized as we were, you know, kind of getting into it full time was that like the best way to be the most successful is to diversify our income, you know, so making sure that we're offering multiple things to target different audiences, even though we have one, one big audience, I guess you could say different people are interested in different things. And so offering different things that appeal to different people um, is definitely an important part of any business. And I think that that was kind of where, when we started, like when we came up with the idea for OTP adventures, and then when we came up with like presets, because people are more interested in photography. And then when we came up with, you know, the idea for travel blogging, because some people want to come on trips with us, but they have no interest in becoming travel bloggers, but other people follow us because they want to be travel bloggers or other people follow us just because they like seeing pretty pictures or whatever it is, but <clears throat> finding different ways to serve people in different manners was kind of how we realized that like, that's how a business is going to be successful. Yeah. It's, it's scary to have a business and your only income stream is to be relying on brands, other brands <laughs> yeah. wanting to pay you to market for that, you know, like that can change sure. in any second. So we didn't feel like that was stable or sustainable long-term and just kind of, you know, if public opinion changed and all of a sudden people, well, if they're not using Instagram anymore, or if they're 
if they don't decide your exposure isn't worth it, then you're done. So we, and that's a big reason why we focused on photography and videography as well, because we were like, we want to leave, we want to build skills. This world, like this portion of our life with skills, no matter what happens, you know, if Instagram shuts down, we can still get jobs as photographers and videographers, or we can still create a business as photography and videography. But like, if you're so reliant on posting selfies from your iPhone on Instagram and that's how you make money, which is awesome if you can make money that way, to be totally honest. Yeah. We wish we but could like, make more money by just doing that. It seems really easy. But, <laughs> I'm sure it's not easy, but we recognize that like it is very important to have skills that like are valuable. And so that's why we really focused on like photography and videography as our business, more so than just like taking iPhone photos while we travel. I think we Not got, that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> I think we got to the end of that question. I'm like constantly justifying myself. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I like it. And I, I love how you guys play play off of each other. We come from a similar background. Uh, Jared, my business partner, and I started a website for entrepreneurs in 2008 called under30ceo.com. And we were at that to about four years when we were playing with different types of, uh, you know, we used to sponsor posts and we felt the same way. We thought, well, geez, a hundred of dollars at a time. This is, uh, yeah, that's not exactly the quick way to, to riches and all media companies go through that. And I ended up going on a trip to Iceland and I was just blown away and thought, how could I do this more? And we ended up, um, we brought our blog readers on a retreat to Iceland and over the last, that was 2012, uh, 2019 just started. So over r- roughly the past six years, we've, well, just this year, just in, sorry, last year in 2018, we did 300 trips, I think. And so, yeah, we were able to take it and we didn't know which way we were going to go. And eventually we really did have to specialize. But my question for the two of you is how do you build trust with your audience? Because our biggest hurdle in the beginning was, why are we going to go with these two bloggers, Matt and Jared from under30ceo.com and go with them to Iceland? What do they possibly know about Iceland? Uh, so how do you guys how do you guys build trust with your audience? I think it's just really important to be honest, especially in 2019. That's something that people are really looking for um, when they get on Instagram. You know, like if they're going to hit follow, they already are showing a sign of trust from the get go. But I think just being honest and open about who you are as people and what you're passionate about. Cause I think that was something that we were definitely like, these trips aren't for everyone. Not everybody wants to go somewhere and take pictures and eat treats while they travel. A lot of people are very into fine dining and, you know, like wine tasting and things like that, which are awesome, but that's not the way that we travel. You know, there's a lot of people who want more of the backpacker style or like van life. And that's not the way that we travel. So I think rather than trying to be, and this is something that we discussed a lot, like rather than trying to be something that we're not, or just like trying to accommodate to everyone's needs, just being really honest in who we are and the way that we travel and the way that we do things and that they were coming along on a trip in the style and the way that we traveled um, not being like, if you want to go on a trip, we'll take you on a trip. You tell us how you want to do it. It was very much so more, we have this itinerary and this is what we do. And this is the way that we travel. And we've been to these places. And if you want to join us, like 
we'd love to have you basically. Um, but yeah, I think just being like open and honest about who you are as people, cause that's obviously how you're going to build trust. I think how you immediately lose trust is when people notice that you're very flippy floppy or you're saying one thing and you're not doing it or you're showing one thing, but then you're doing something else. Um, I think that's when people start to be like, why would I trust this person? Because they're saying this, but they're doing this. I think it's a constant struggle. You know, every day when we're posting on Instagram, you know, you have to think, well, especially if you're doing like a sponsored post, one, if you're always selling to your audience, like they're going to feel like they're you being used. And two, I mean, I guess on, on the other hand, you can build trust by serving them. So if you're, if you're constantly, you know, I'm sure with under 30 CEO, your blog readers felt like they had, were getting so much value from your content that, and that you've been doing that for them and that content's free to them, then why, like, they probably, it probably wasn't even conceivable to a lot of them that, like, to not trust you because, you know, you'd never asked anything of them before and you were just constantly giving. Sure. So I feel like as we approach our, you know, this year, especially, we're trying to just be more casual and honest and, and can, something we focused on and last year was to serve them and to just, and whether that's creating a little free ebook or to um, just give advice and our captains talk about how to save money for travel or talk about, you know, I don't know, best, you know, a couple of photo editing tips or do a free webinar. Um, those are things that build trust also gets us in front of the camera more. And, you know, I think things like this, like this podcast for people to be able to see and hear and um, just like see our natural personalities, people can see if like that's something they're going to mesh with. And so I think just all that is going to get people to trust or, or and some people you're, you're going to, you're going to offend, you're going to piss off. You're going to like, they're not going to mesh well with you and they're not going to want to go on your trip. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, those people, they don't have to, there's, there's a, some billion of us in the world and there's someone else for them to follow. Yeah. And I think too, just like owning your story, I think is really important. Like I think people love stories in general. People love stories. You know, that's why we watch movies. That's why we, we read books. Like, as an English major, like we love stories. So I think just owning your story and sharing that story and putting your story out there um, helps people get to know you and, and relate to you and feel like you're someone they can connect with. I know me personally, I follow tons of people on Instagram that I've never met and I have no idea who they are, but like, I feel like I know them personally, you know, I feel like they're my friend. Um, and I think that a lot of the way that they do that is by making me feel like, I know their story and I know who they are because they're open about a lot of parts of their life and they're relatable because they've been through experiences that I've been through or something like that. And I think that that's a great way, like, you know, being vulnerable and being open and, and sharing your story. I think that's a great way to just get people not only to trust you, but also, you know, to connect with you and to want to engage with you and be part of your community. No, I, I really appreciate that. And especially when you see hashtag travel couple and all of a sudden it seems like such a superficial thing where, oh, everyone in this hashtag is gorgeous. I guess uh, I don't belong here. you know. And there's just, and often in travel photography, it promotes a place on a very superficial level. So I, I'm appreciative that you guys are addressing 
things like vulnerability and transparency and just wanting to hang out on your webcam uh, in two white t-shirts and not, ha- you know, and not have to... To realize they're magic. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just said that out of the blue. But um, yeah, do you guys feel pressure to always, oh God, you know, I have to look so good on my Instagram. And I'm sure there is because that's part of the deal at, at some point, right? Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of pictures out there that we haven't posted, right? There are thousands for every one, right? Like, yeah. because, you know, there's the, there's that pressure. Well, I also think that, like, you have to think about Instagram for what it is, right? Like, a personal Instagram account is very different than a brand, branded Instagram account. So, like, I'm not just posting selfies with my niece and nephew, on our travel passport because that's not like part of our brand. Um, and so I think you have to think about it the same way that like a magazine puts in the most beautiful pictures and they, and they do a lot of effort and energy to stage the photo and make it look beautiful. And I think there is definitely a balance between like the natural and the staged posed photo. But I, I definitely think that there's, I know, at least for me, I feel a lot of times like, oh, I need like the hat and the twirly dress and like the whole thing in order to like make the photo work. But I also think that kind of goes back to like owning who you are. And like, I'm not a ball gown hat person. Like I'm just not, which is why that's not what our feed looks like. And there are plenty of travel bloggers out there who that is what their feed looks like. And it's awesome and they own it. But I'm also not like, a bikini model blogger either, right? Like it's, I think that's part of like, be who you are and own who you are. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be successful. Um, This is actually something I feel really passionate about because I think a lot of times people see stuff on Instagram and they think, oh, I have to like show my butt in order to get a lot of likes or I have to like, you know, have puppies in order to like have a lot of likes or whatever. Um, And I just don't think that that's true. I think it's a lot more important to be who you are because you look more comfortable. You feel more comfortable. You're actually portraying what your life's like versus um, everything looking so staged and posed and, and like not selling out, but you know, using your body for likes. I just, I don't think that that's a necessary way to be successful. Obviously from like the beginning of time, that's been a way that people can be successful and to sell things, but that doesn't and it doesn't have to be that way, you know? So I think that's a big thing that's like really important in the comparison game that happens with everyone on Instagram. Um, You don't have to be a perfect mom of four children or, you know, a tiny human who is blonde and looks perfect um, all the time because that's not super relatable to everyone. And when you're trying to relate to people, I think it's a lot easier to relate to them in a way that's like, we took a picture as we were walking through a town square. To me, at least, that's something that I can recognize as something that I could do versus they set up a picnic in the middle of Times Square, New York. Like, right. how does one do that, right? Which is awesome and looks awesome in a magazine and on Instagram and whatever. But like, you know, being true to yourself and like, if that's what you want, then you should totally do that. But that's not necessarily relatable to Yeah, right. Like that's people. an that's a form of art that people yeah. can choose to, to share with people. Um, I think like you have, everyone has followers, you know, whether it's one or a million or 10, like focusing on serving them, like in building that connection with the ones you already have is more important than 
posting a, a butt pick that's gonna you know that's gonna go viral um like focus on what you have and build there and like people are naturally like if like or if you build those connections people are naturally going to share you with their friends that they trust and um and like i think that's just a little bit deeper foundation and base for for well, you as a company yeah also if your goal is to work with brands do you want your portfolio to be a bunch of and there are brands out there who want that right but like i think that that's something to think about in like your business and your brand's decisions is that like i want to portray myself in this way and i'm establishing my personal brand in this way and i want to work with brands that are going to want to appreciate that you know i don't want to work with brands who want me to be someone that i'm not right and that's always gonna be more sustainable like if if you're having brands come to you and they're offering you a bunch of money but it's not a brand like but you wouldn't post a picture for them. Like that's a hard decision to make. You're also not going to enjoy the work and that kind of defeats the whole right. purpose of like working for yeah. yourself and so, like, like following kinda, your dreams. You, know? you just end up going down the wrong road yeah. of like for business sustainability. Like it's just going to be much easier from the beginning. You just do what feels natural. And I also think like people are going to call you out on it, right? Like your followers are going to notice that that's not what you do and that's not what you like. So they're going to be like, Right. They're, they're going to lose your trust. Anyway. <laughs> I think that's all very well said, uh, especially the sustainability part. If you become an ass model, you know, eventually it's going to start sagging or you're going to need some <laughs> surgeries. And yeah, things are going to go downhill for your, your career. I mean, the Kardashians have been at work for them for a very long time. <laughs> right. Until it doesn't. <laughs> um, okay. Before we wrap up, guys, I'm really appreciative that you've talked specifically about some of these strategies that people can use at home when they're developing their brand and thinking about, okay, who who am I and how am I going to be portrayed on a platform like Instagram or, or a blog or whatever the next platform is down the line. And I know that you're teaching this course on photography and videography, do you guys get into the branding aspect or tell everybody a little bit, maybe some actionable things that they would learn in your course? Uh, this is in no way, a, a, but I'm, I don't have any, any skin in the game. It's not like, Hey guys, this is an affiliate deal. Push your, your stuff. But I would love if we could uh, give everybody a, a couple of nuggets to think about next time they're shooting a video or, or taking a photo. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the overarching idea of our course is helping you establish your own personal brand. Because I think in 2019, that's a big part of who everyone is. And if you're going to be successful having your own personal brand, um, I think there's a lot of ways to go about that. But I think we've kind of touched on some of the topics like hone in on skills, hone in on photography, learn how to use your camera in manual mode and and actually take your photos, learn how to edit your photos in, we use Adobe Lightroom, but you know, in professional editing programs, learn how to market yourself to other companies to want to, to work with them, learn. I mean, yeah. we love I mean, listening to like podcasts and people like Gary Vee who are really like passionate and inspiring about and always sharing tips about, you know, how to build your personal brand and how to grow trust and... <laughs> Um, how to share, you know, that kind of helpful information with your following and right. Our, so the course is set up like it'll be several modules um, of, of videos that they can access at any time, and um, it starts with 
and this may shift before um, we launch it um, at the end of January. But you know, there's an Instagram section that's all about you know what to put in your bio, how to make your feed and your grid look cohesive, whether you should be a business profile or not. If you should use a personal account or yeah. like create a second account or... And then there's another section that's specifically about branding. that, And that's kind of like the course is mostly about branding. And like from the arch, that's the umbrella and everything under that is like how to use photography to brand yourself. How to use um, your Instagram, your to, Instagram share your to share that. And then how to pitch. And we go into actually how to pitch to companies and you know how to price yourself, which we did. We hit on as well. Yeah. So the overarching theme is branding. And then there's photography, Instagram, pitching. Um, I think we do a little even like how to, how to pose um, in photo bonus in there. Excellent. Well, uh, could you let everyone know where they can follow, engage with you guys, reach out and get involved in your community? Yeah, the best place to to follow us is on Instagram, which we're most active. Our travel passport. I guess you can see that. Uh, our travel yeah, passport. O U R travel passport, not like the time. You can send us a DM or you can comment. We respond to all of our DMs and all of our comments. I mean, maybe if you comment on a really old picture and we don't see it, we won't. But we try really yeah. hard to respond to everyone. We're all caught up um, in the inbox. Um, and then our email, email is yeah. hello at our travel passport dot com. And, and even though we're most active on Instagram, um, we do provide uh, maybe most of our value to our email subscribers. Um, and you can subscribe on our website to that, um, where we're always we're sending out newsletters. You know, when there's deals on our presets or when there's, um, I like, like to just write stream of conscious a lot and just kind of give my thought for the week. And so, um, we also share like our travel guides when we've released new travel guides I'm working on a Bali one right now. So when, you know, that's finished and live, we send that out in an email and you can sign up for our email on our website on www.ourtravelpassport.com a pop-up pops up <laughs> and you can subscribe there or at the bottom of the page, you can subscribe to our email list there. You can also go to the website for travel guides um, to look at our presets for to watch our videos, watch our videos, learn more about us as people. Yeah. yeah. That, that covers all the bases. Beautiful. Well, I really enjoyed getting to know you guys uh, off of the gram and this has been great. So thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so Thank much for you. having us. No, it's been fun. <laughs> You're welcome.